Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. As always, thank you for joining me every week, whenever or wherever you listen to this podcast. As a healthy reminder, if you have not officially joined the Immigrant Nation, I suggest for you to place the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And another way to be part of this community is by visiting and following our social media accounts. Our handle is at an immigrant's life, where you can see pictures, audio reels, and other things that's happening in my life. It is also there where you can contact me if you or someone you know is interested in appearing as a guest on a podcast. Or you can send an email to animigrantslife at yahoo.com. Let's connect and let's tell your beautiful story. All the reminders are done. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. This week's episode is a candid conversation with a remarkable fashion blogger where she bravely opens up about her journey through the shadows of financial hurdles, weight challenges, and health setbacks. Join us as we unravel how she triumphantly navigated her way out of the abyss and into the radiant new chapter, all through the empowering world of fashion blogging. Stay tuned for this inspiring episode where we explore the transformative power of resilience with style. And with that, without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a style and beauty blogger that has a personality as colorful as her outfits. Everyone, please welcome Brenda Chewinkam. Yay! <laughs> Good job with the name. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so much pressure. You're looking at me. I'm like, please don't mess this up. I'm waiting, waiting to you. You know what I mean? Hey, Brenda, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. You're welcome. How's your day so far? It's good? Yes, long, but good. Can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> Hump day is over. We're getting there. I still don't understand why they call it hump day because I feel like Friday is the hardest to get over because you're so close to the weekend. <laughs> I understand, but Friday is like, it's like for me, Friday is like half weekend because you have the feeling, oh, the excitement of weekend. Mm. But I guess it depends on your line of work because with us, Fridays are actually the busiest. So that's why <laughs> Friday for me is hump day because it takes so long to get to the weekend. <laughs> I understand for sure. Hey, before we talk about Friday and other things, why don't you tell Im- the immigrant nation where they can reach you if you want to promote anything? Sure. I am on almost all social media platforms as the Ankara Queen, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, all of them. The Ankara Queen, where I share my personal style tips as well as affordable fashion finds. I love it. I love your outfits. It's so beautiful, colorful, and of course, very fashionable. Thank you. Were you always been a fashionable person? I've always thought I was a fashionable person. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. That's the difference, right? I don't know if people thought the same thing. <laughs> but isn't that, isn't that what, it doesn't matter what they think. If you think you're fashionable, mm-hmm. if you're comfortable, if, you're, if you are feeling like you're getting confidence from wearing something, isn't that what fashion is all about? I agree. I agree. I just feel as though um, society deems you fashionable. Hmm. based on how extravagant and bold your outfit choices are. Whereas a lot of people who do minimalistic styles, I find them fashionable. But I have really been around the world when it comes to my fashion style. I've tried so many things to see what fit me. And, you know, finding my own space in the fashion industry of because my body type has also changed over the years and 
dressing a certain style when I was a certain weight and being able to change as my body changed and as I grew older, um, that was has always been my thing with fashion. But being called fashionable, I have always thought I was fashionable, but it's nice <laughs> that other people also think I'm fashionable. <laughs> yeah, I guess you need that, like, that props, that, like, that guarantee or that, like, somebody acknowledges that you are fashionable. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because mm. if you're in your own little bubble, you think you're you're all that. But then mm. if you post online and you get two likes, then you think, oh, maybe I'm not all that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate I hate depending on either social media or the people up there to determine how fashionable you are. But in my own little circle, at least I'm fashionable. If people like it, that's it's an added bonus. But I do like that I am fashionable. I love fashion. I don't necessarily follow trends and news reports and about fashion. I just do my thing. <laughs> mm, that's the most important thing. Like sometimes you'll see like uh, fashion, you know, like those fashion shows and they wear like, I don't know, blankets over their head. I'm like, what is this? Who's going to wear this? I have never seen person will wear this. Mm -mm. I think they do that for the buzz, mm. for value, because that's what gets people talking about the brands. They know that people are not going to wear that, but they want people to talk about their brand and share their images. It gets mm. them more questions online. As they say, any buzz is better than no buzz. So mm -hmm. people want to be talked about. They know people are not wearing that. Except, you know, Kanye West and some other celebrities. But <laughs> or Lady Gaga. Exactly. Even Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga doesn't dress like that anymore. Mm. Oh, she is toned down. She doesn't wear meat dresses anymore. She's <laughs> dresses. So that's not even Lady Gaga. It's other people. I don't know where they are. The young ones. Yeah, maybe... But even them, everyone wants, you know, the more trendier pieces versus a shock value mm. piece. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think of that, though? Is that their fashion or they're really asking for attention? Mm, I think it's mostly attention. And part of it is creativity. They want to show you how out there they can make you look. If you're looking for a very unique piece, page my brand because I made this, I don't know, cape out of foil. <laughs> and it's <laughs> get you attention if you wear it on the red carpet. I think that's a, their target audience is not common folk like you and I. No. I'm not. happy with my t shirt and my hoodie. <laughs> Me too. I mean, yeah. not t shirt, but. <laughs> I mean, of course, I I know I dress up when I need to dress up, you know, but every day is just like, I'll wear a shirt or a hoodie or whatever. If I'm going to the market or to the store, you know, who cares? But I'm, if I'm going to a party, yeah, I'll be like, yo, let's go. What you would know? you? What would I wear? Yeah. I don't know, like a blazer, a nice blazer, a nice dress shirt, you know. If, I ne if it needs to be like a suit, I'll wear a suit, but... Depends on the style. I lately, I've been trying to like tone it down more. I've been trying to get into my wearing my my cultural clothing now, you know, because for the longest year of like it's it was like I guess it's colonial mentality that like a cringe, you know. Oh, well, you people makes fun of you, but I'm like, like recently I had I went to my son's graduation. I wore my uh, cultural shirt. I'm like, yo, I look good in this. <laughs> you do. I'm like, I took a picture. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I like this. And so, yeah, yeah I'm like, you know, that's what I'm going to start doing now. I cannot wait to wear it to like a wedding, you know? Mm. That would be that would be nice. But anyway, yeah. let's talk about you. I did some reading about you. You were born in Gabon? Yes. And then moved to Cameroon. When did you move to Cameroon? No, actually, born in Gabon, then we moved to the U.S., then we moved to Cameroon. 
who goes to the US and then go back to Cameroon? Like, who does, who does that? I guess you. You tell me what's happened. Children who have no choice. <laughs> mm. How that happened? Huh? Why US and then back to Cameroon? Well, my dad's job. So they mm. transferred us to Cameroon. So we, we moved to Cameroon. Was he a businessman? No, a diplomat. Oh, oh. fancy schmancy over here. Fancy <laughs> schmancy. <laughs> I yeah. guess so. We were, we were that family mm. that moved. How is how how is that to be a? Your dad is a diplomat, like very respectable young a man. You like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. You you cannot be with the normal people, you know. <laughs> Me, we were very much with the normal people. But I won't lie. There, there is there was a privilege because even moving back to Cameroon. We went to the best private schools. So we were able to rub shoulders with, you know, ministers' kids and, you know, prime ministers' kids. Those are the schools we went to, which were really, really important because that's where you're able to make those connections that will help you long into the future. For, for example, if your kid goes to school with Bill Gates' grandkid, that's already, that's a flex, you know? <laughs> Like and your kid befriends them, it's a genuine friendship for them. But at the same time, when they grow older, there's valuable connections there that can help them. So my dad was thinking very, very far. <laughs> so he made sure he went to all the schools, all the big names kids were going to, since we had the opportunity. But for me, yeah, we definitely I felt a little bit of the privilege, but it's not like we had bodyguards and. I mean, we, we did have driver, but not not like you. Know, we didn't. <laughs> Look at you! You gotta go and then go back. <laughs> the full glam package. It was, hmm. I would say, the the premier package, not the premium. <laughs> <laughs> That's You're like was. the medium package. Yeah, the medium package. You know. <laughs> so you didn't have bodyguards. No. So there was no fear of you guys being kidnapped or anything like that. No, 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 no. We were on very strict uh, schedules. Our parents had us very, very busy. And we always went to boarding school. So that was one thing too. So it made it very easy for them to know exactly where we were. So if it wasn't school, during the summer, winter breaks, there's no winter in Cameroon. But during the breaks, it was activities. If it was swimming, it was tennis, it was library. So there wasn't any fear because everywhere... Because my mom was a stay-at-home wife, so she was with us attending all of her activities. <laughs> so we were always busy. Was there a pressure to perform or in, and to be great on things? Oh, yes. My dad is a very, very proud perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't know. I'm sure you've probably spoken to... Um, people on your podcast of African descent who are first, first gen and I'm sure they've told you of just the pressure, the pressure it's like I made these sacrifices you can't let us down and, I mean my, mind you I'm I'm in the privileged tier just because my parents have never ever depended on any of us to be successful in order for them They've never asked for us to financially help them. Let me put it that way. Whereas a lot of first-gen families, when their kids start making money, they're expected to either send some back home, they're expected to pay for a sibling's tuition or a cousin's tuition. My parents have never been like that. So I say I'm privileged because all of my money is mine. But in the sense, the education-wise, it was my parents were on us from the moment we started going to school education was grilled in our heads like this is your key this is the key to success in life forget any side hustles get your degrees first so <laughs> once everyone got at least a bachelor's then my dad would scale back a little and then you could put it on a little bit because you have that degree to fall back on but it was perfect grades it was oh yes you know My dad believed in physical punishment, not for the girls, but the guys. So bad grades, 
get a flog. Yeah? <laughs> that, that was the helpful. You come back with a red in your report card, you get a flog. <laughs> Wait, that's sexist, by the way. Let me just get back. Why Ooh. the guy get hit and the girls doesn't get hit? The girls are soft, precious jewels. What are you talking about? Us too. We're humans too. We got feelings too. I'm sorry, but my dad saw his daughters as soft, cuddly beings. <laughs> <laughs> Not meant to be bruised. I understand. I was I was it was funny when you were saying about like you you there was no pressure of sending back money to the family. There's no black tax. No, exactly. There's no black tax with my parents. <laughs> if you want to gift them anything, it's just because you want to. They don't expect any financial aid. And they never wanted to be a financial burden. And they never wanted us to start out with any financial burden, which is why it was so important for my dad to cover all of our tuition for all of our, even our secondary, post-secondary education, because he didn't want us to start out with debt. He knew he never had debt in his whole life up to now. Everything my dad owns, he pays cash. If he can't pay cash, he can't get it. Everything, cars, houses, everything. So he wanted us to start out with a clean slate, make sure that none of his kids had to worry about student debt. It's like, nope, your money is your money. So now go out and make the most of it. <laughs> as long as you make A. As long as you had good grades. That's all. You don't make A. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> it could have been worse it could have been worse yeah it could have been worse I guess are they still living in Cameroon or where are they living now right now they're in Montreal mm. but they would love to go back to Cameroon <laughs> their plan yeah. is the whole back and forth they only came to Canada recently and if not that Cameroon was so politically unstable right now they would have been back but it's safer for them to be here right mm. now is that retired now my funny enough, as my dad retired, my mom decided to work. So, <laughs> <laughs> what did she, she decided to do? She got tired of seeing him in the house twenty four seven. I don't blame her. <laughs> like what? She's like she's so used to not seeing him, <laughs> but now yeah. he's all the time. <laughs> no, what so did... she did nursing aid. She's a nursing oh. assistant. Yeah. I mean, hey, props to mom, man. She didn't have to do that. She didn't. She doesn't. But what she loves is she told me now she can. She has excess money to spend. That's what she loves. So every, I would say every two weeks, my mom buys something she's always wanted to get. Every two mm. weeks, she's buying something luxurious just because. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that idea. Like every two weeks, I'm like she has a goal. To reach. Yeah. And she doesn't have to worry about things like mortgage and rent. or Her money is all hers. She travels however she wants to. If she wants to buy her husband a Rolex, she buys it. Like Everything is up to her. She doesn't care. If she wants to send her grandkids $500, yeah, you know, it's, it's up to her. I love it. I love it. Such like, I mean, yeah, I, I love that idea that, that there's like, Yes, every two weeks I have this thing. I want to reach it. I want to see, uh, purchase it. Mm -hmm. Like it's a good thing to push it. You know that there's a study in from I believe it's Stanford University that that getting uh, planning a vacation is the most important part, and not going to the vacation because mm. you get excited. The anticipation. Ooh. Yeah, you know. I would yeah. say Friday, but I, like you said, Friday is not really the best. Saturday. <laughs> Saturday is the best, yes. But so did you grow up in Cameroon or where did you grow up? So partially. We did, uh, I did eight years in Cameroon hmm. and then I moved to Canada with my sister. Hmm. Wait, just you and the sister? Yes. <laughs> did you guys plan what? that boarding school see that's a, again another boarding school <laughs> okay Just from boarding school to boarding school <laughs> how is it to grow up in a boarding school eh, it depends on the boarding school so mm. the one in Maroon was very mm, traumatic <laughs> you get because a stick 
not so that was part of it they did the teachers were allowed to physically beat the kids if they found that you know they were stubborn but i i never understood why i was getting punished because i felt if for example i don't agree with something i should be able to voice it but it was as disrespect and then boom you're getting flogged but i i didn't find that fair so they were teaching us to suppress our emotions to suppress our thoughts you weren't you you weren't allowed to be who you actually were so i find that even when i go through the pictures of myself in boarding school i was just a shell of who i am right now the person you see on instagram everyone knew that i was an introvert i barely spoke minding my business and at the time i was also really obese so you know i was just eating my emotions away and it was just everything going on in boarding school it was an all girls school we had oh, to no. shave our bald you know before Wait, school why? yeah because they found that hair was a distraction so you had to get rid of it anything was a distraction no jewelry no makeup no just very simple everyone the same uniform the same sandals and that's how they wanted us to be so no individuality whereas mm. as you see I'm a creative so I was suppressing this all the time and just gaining weight and acne came and you know this is a depressing time for me I'm like and I hate boys because boys don't like me <laughs> <laughs> it's just a vicious circle vicious circle i used to hate because every year at school we would go to the all boys school so all the girls would go to yes and we would be like sheep on display of course for foxes and then what would happen was this is the most traumatic part all the girls would have to line up and the guy would have to come and choose you Oh yes, to take you to the hall for lunch. And do you know what? I never got chosen. So this that was why I say it was traumatic. And if you didn't get chosen, everyone would see because you would be the last to come into the hall for lunch. Oh my god. I see you walking in alone and I would just want to melt. This is why I said I hated boys because boys didn't like me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. How how did that make you feel? Like growing up, like not feeling like the uh, the opposite sex doesn't want you at all. Yeah, it made me feel ugly. It made me feel, you know, undesirable. Mm. I used to ask my mom, "How come I can't get a boyfriend?" She would always tell me, "Don't worry about boys right now." And I would get pissed off. So man, I'm like, is she telling me I'm not pretty enough? <laughs> <laughs> Why is she just telling me not to worry? about boys right now but mm-hmm. at the time i was like why all my friends have boyfriends how come no one has asked me out so that's why i met. I hated boys because again i did the day i didn't like myself i didn't like the way i looked i didn't huh, i couldn't express myself mm-hmm. i thought i was a you know an exciting fun person but going to a boarding school where everyone was supposed to look the same i just blended in and mm-hmm. The only thing that made me stand out was my brain. See, thanks to my dad. (laughs) (laughs) I was always top three in my class. Always. like So I just put my head down. I focused on getting those A's. And I couldn't wait to be out of boarding school. Then when I came to Canada, slowly, you know when the the larvae turns into (laughs) the fly? The butterfly. I started being free. (laughs) I mean, I okay. I see. I see that like outside socially, you're you're in inside you. You cannot show your who you are. Yeah. But inside the house, were you always the same thing, or were you oh this is you like out yeah. and like happy? At home, I was happy. That's when I was the happiest. When it was just my siblings and I. Oh, we had a ball. We even up to now, we're very very close. I speak to my whole family almost every day. My mom every day, sometimes twice a day. Like we have such a great relationship. So with them, I could be myself. But then once it was time for school, hmm. Like even because my brothers went to the all boys school, while my sister and I were in the all girls school. So when we used to go to the all boys school, I would sometimes see my brothers if their schedules aligned. 
And so if I didn't get chosen, my comfort was my brothers would eventually find me and we would just hang out. We would just go somewhere on our own and just, you know, my brothers would steal food from the cafeteria and bring to me, bring extra chicken. And that was the only part I looked forward to if my brothers were there because um, not all the students could go at the same time. So if my brothers were amongst those, I would always be so happy. So I, I could be myself around them and around my close friends. If we were at home, oh, they knew me. But it's just in that setting with people who are not friends or um, people who had authority, I could not be myself. How about now? Are you okay with authorities now? or? I am. I am. And also because I found my voice. So now I speak out and everyone <laughs> thinks I'm this extrovert. And I am. It's just, <laughs> I am an extrovert. <laughs> but everyone thinks I'm, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's a, they respect you, but they have a little bit of fear. Hmm. I like it though. Especially at work, people think that my boss is scared of me. You know <laughs> in a good way because they're like you always put your foot down i set boundaries from mm. the beginning people really rarely ever cross me because they know if they cross brenda oh she's the wrong person and i like that whereas in boarding school oh you could walk all over me and i would say sorry sorry for making you upset sorry for no now i tell you straight up that's <laughs> Yeah, but no, boundary is so important. Like, I tell that to people all the time when, you know, people will complain like, oh, she does it all the time or he does it to me all the time. Like, bro, set up the boundary. Exactly. This is the boundary. You get as, you can get as close as you can, but you're not crossing the boundary. Yeah. That's my boundary. That's my happiness. You yeah. mess up with my happiness. Sorry, we got problems. Got to go. <laughs> you know, I love it. You said that you, you keep on saying that you were an obese teenager, but I found out too that you wanted to be skinny until mm -hmm. you had this very bad eating habit. How, what happened? Oh, I wanted to be skinny so bad. Yeah, <laughs> my first blog was called Can Never Be a Skinny Bitch. Like mm. that's how badly I had to be skinny. But I, when I came to Canada, first I gained a bunch of weight because... It was it was McDonald's. It was KFC. We And the servings are bigger. It was free. I was so happy. Pancakes, Waffle House, all these fast foods. I overdid it in the beginning. <laughs> Tim Hortons. We were right across from a Tim Hortons at oh, nine. No. Nine p.m. I was dashing out to get a twelve pack of donuts. Like that. <laughs> Oh, 12 packs? I mean, I was sharing it with three people, but still. They'll, they'll get one each, and then the rest is yours. Right. We, like, my sister and I, we used to stash snacks. Terrible snacks. Like, muffins that are 600 calories in one muffin. Like, yes, nasty snacks. So, I gained weight. And then I remember, because at the time, digital phones and cameras were not yet as big as they are now. So I wasn't really seeing pictures of myself. And then one of my friends took a picture of me and I looked at it. I'm like, oh, that's what I look like. <laughs> you know, a little thicker Beyonce, but no, no, no. <laughs> so then when I saw that picture, I remember I went for, went for Christmas in Montreal. My aunt stays in Montreal, went there. And then I remember I told myself after Christmas, it's a wrap. I am losing weight so i am someone again it goes back to the self-control and discipline i'm really good at it me if i say this is what i'm going to do i do it so i came back and i started the grapefruit diet what's that the diet where you don't eat any carbs except for grapefruit but you can eat all the protein you want but you cannot eat any carbs except for grapefruit. So I started the grapefruit diet. First week, I dropped eight pounds. I can't. Second week, I dropped another eight pounds. I'm like, yes, this is working. And I used to go to the gym twice a day because I was in high school. I didn't have anything to do apart from going to class and then homework, which I could complete in an hour. So I was going to the gym morning and evening. And then third week, 
my breath was thinking. Because, you know, <laughs> eat carbs, your body is breaking down fat and it stinks, fat and protein. So my breath was sinking and I had so little energy. It's like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. But I had lost 20 pounds in two weeks. I was like, I'm onto something. So then one of my friends, she created a diet for both of us. <laughs> Mind you, she, no, she had no background. I was just going to ask. <laughs> the same age. She's like, there's this diet that works for celebrities. I'm like, sign me up. Oh my gosh. The diet was weird. You would have two apples for breakfast and then <laughs> a glass of milk for snack. It was horrible. I, But I lost weight. So I was excited. Of course, I was losing weight. I was barely eating. <laughs> but that's I did these diets for probably two months. And I remember when I started, I believe I was at 180. And graduation came around so between january and graduation for us was i believe may so between April, uh, january and may i lost 60 pounds Woo. 60 pounds i showed up for graduation and people who is people did not recognize me who's the hottie with the body but at the time and this is another thing in my head I still had the fat girl mentality. Mm -hmm. I still felt fat. And I was looking at pictures and my collarbones were showing. Oh, my, my mom was worried, sick. My mom was like, you have to stop what you're doing. You look sick. I'm like, no, I just have a few more pounds to go. And I was on it with the workouts and everything. I'm like, I have to prove these people. But after graduation, my mom, my mom told me, no, she's like, you're stopping this right now. So I cooled down and then I went to university skinny. But by the time I was graduating university, I was so skinny. <laughs> freshman 15 was a thing. Maybe it was freshman 50. <laughs> for me, no, at least. But from there, for, for me, what that did is showed me that I could do it. Because I was like, no matter what, I am going to lose this weight. I went from a size 16, I was wearing a size 4 at graduation. But then by the time I was finishing university, I was around a size eight, but I was happy with that. I'm like, okay, at least it's not a 16. And when I did look back at the size four pictures, like this it doesn't even look like me. My face was like, that doesn't look like me at all. So when I was not the size, I'm like, okay, I like this. I like this, you know, but that, that gave me the push. Of like I can do this. If I want to lose weight, I can lose weight. <laughs> mm. The self-control, where did it come from? Do you think that's natural or you learned it? Honestly, I think it's part of it is, is, is definitely genetic. And it's not everyone in my family who has it. Most people in my family have a sugar addiction, but I don't. Yeah, I, I, I'm very, very, like if I tell myself I'm only going to eat one tablet of chocolate in a pack of six, I will only eat one. Everyone else in my family, they look at me crazy. Like, how can you eat one? The rest is there. Just eat it. No. Like, I've told myself it's one today and it's one tomorrow. It's one. So I think it's part of me, definitely genetic, not from my mom's side, probably my dad's side, <laughs> because my mom will eat the entire box of chocolate. She doesn't care. But my dad, <laughs> on the hand, he can take, you know, a handful and then he'll just nibble. And that's how I am with the self-control. Mm. I wish it transferred to my spending. It, it, it's only in terms of food, not spending. <laughs> yeah, well, those are different, two different things, I guess. So mm -hmm. now, do you love yourself now? Love it. Oh, yes. Mm. Oh, <laughs> you can't tell me. <laughs> this, is, this is the Brenda that you've been waiting for. <laughs> That's... 14-year-old, 15, 16-year-old Brenda wishes she was at the time. Mm. But I feel like I was, I always think, I wasn't in my body. That's why I always tell myself, like, that that wasn't me. Because I felt a certain way. I felt good, but it didn't reflect in the pictures. Like, huh. But now it reflects. Thank <laughs> mm. you. How did you get rid of the fat girl mentality? Hmm. That was, oh my gosh, that was like 10 years to get rid of it. Because 
each time I would gain, I used to step on the scale every day. Each oh, time, terrible. Each time it would move, I would start panicking. I used to go to the gym. I used to throw out the cookies after it took so, so long. I, I, honestly, I don't know if it's age and time, just getting more comfortable with my body. Oof, it took a long time. Yeah. Even until now, I still have a little bit of it. I won't lie. That's why it also makes me control myself more because I know that um, all of us in our in our family were predisposed to obesity and all that comes with obesity, high blood pressure. So a part of me always has that fat girl mentality where it's like, oh, you ate too much today. Tomorrow you're going to have to scale down. I do do that. I'm not, at least now the difference is I'm not, I don't feel bad about it because I know myself i know that if i tell myself we're cutting out sugar this week i'm going to cut out sugar this week i've been able to control things well and i don't eat because i'm feeling emotional no if i'm feeling emotional i have healthier habits now i'll work out (laughs) that's beautiful i saw that you went to this procedure myomectomy procedure (laughs) How was that? What happened? Tell us the story. What happened was I had symptomatic fibroids. I'm not sure if you know what fibroids are. Oh, so they're benign tumors that Mm. grow around the uterus. So I had only in the uterus? Yes. So that's why, yeah, they're in and around the uterus and they're fibroids if they're outside and something else. (laughs) But mine, yes, so mine were fibroids and I'd had them. For at least 10 years. But what happened was mine grew. Uh, normally they don't grow. And sometimes they don't cause any serious symptoms. But mine were growing and they were causing a lot of issues. So it was very, very, very heavy bleeding. My periods were not regular. I had anemia. Just a lot of things, back pain. And then, of course, my stomach started growing big as if I was pregnant. And even my body thought I was pregnant because my doctor called me because I insisted on getting a hormonal test done. See, it's my my sister who told me to ask, to insist, because it's not part of your regular checkup. So when they did the hormonal test, my doctor told me my hormones were like those of a woman who had just given birth. So So he asked me to do it again. He said he doesn't believe the results. Did it again, same results. Then he's like, okay. I'm going to refer you to a gynecologist because my stomach was really, it was protruding and I couldn't even lie on my stomach anymore because it was so hard. Like imagine a pregnant woman lying on her stomach. It's, yeah. it's, it's like a it's, beetle. When a beetle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's when I went and saw a gynecologist last year and she put me on, um, I forget the name of, but it's a, an injection. Hmm. that you take Lupron and it puts you on menopause. So I was on menopause. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. I'm at a young age. <laughs> but it's supposed to help shrink the fibroids. Unfortunately for me, mine tripled in volume. Bro. Then that, oh, end of that surgery. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to get the surgery. I, I felt so heavy. Extremely heavy. Anything I did, I just felt heavy like and i lost 17 pounds after the surgery so i was heavy just imagine moving around these masses just everywhere you go so i had the surgery and it was hard it was difficult the pain pain. you know you use your abdominal muscles for everything to just tear it open and the uterus uh the number of layers that they have to go through to get to the uterus and then they cut around the uterus and they leave holes and they have to stitch them up and they have to reconstruct the uterus. It's a big surgery. So I was in the hospital and then I came home. I took I was off work for about six weeks. Yeah. And I was only able to start walking probably at around week three like I would try to I would walk to the bathroom and back and that was it walk to the bathroom and back and that was it and my mom had to help me 
like they tell you they don't even let you get the surgery if you don't have someone like that's how harsh and severe the surgery is if you come in that day and you don't have someone with you they cancel the surgery so my mom was there with me she was able to stay with me nurture me back <laughs> to health but it was a really 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 tough the most difficult time i've ever been through and yeah um, it's it's it was painful very painful what caused the fibroids that's the million dollar question mm. the million dollar question grapefruits no <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> no because unfortunately fibroids affect about 7 out of 10 black women and oh. um, yeah black women disproportionately are affected by fibroids way more than any other race and that's the part of the reason why people wonder is that why there's not a lot of research on it because it's a black women problem mm. not a lot of funding so no one really knows no one really knows what causes them and I think I have an idea because mm. you guys are too beautiful and smart and they need to <laughs> God needs to balance it you know we need to bring us down. He has to balance it a little bit, you know? No, it's too much. It's way too much. So it was difficult. And mom was there to help you out. But obviously, it's still going to be you, inside you, that yes. needs to push. What what kept you going through those uh, pain and through those uh, challenges? Knowing that I wouldn't have that pain that I had before the surgery. I would take this pain because it was temporary. That pain was long-term and permanent. So I mm. knew that I would feel so much better, which I do, after the surgery. So I knew that, nah, this is, this is going to pass. And mm. it did. <laughs> well, God forbid, I hope never, but is this a chance it coming back? Oh, yeah. It's actually mm. a high chance. The, the more you have before surgery, the higher the chance that new ones will come back after surgery. And it's unfortunate. Stop eating grapefruit. I don't even eat grapefruit. I eat oranges now. I don't. <laughs> so you're a very independent, very powerful woman. How did it feel when you feel so vulnerable and like you can't do anything but depend on mom and everything else? I was happy. Mm. Especially because it was mom. Yeah. I was so happy. And that was, I think that was our best bonding moment ever. My mom so, saw me Am I most vulnerable? And we joke about it today. It's like, that's the only time you are allowed to pass gas in front of me. You know? We joke about it. It's like, that's the only time you could bum it on me. You know? <laughs> because it was like taking care of a baby. Like, mm. I couldn't do things on my own. She had to clean me. She had to change me. So, yeah. So, it was such a great... There was no one else I would rather have by my side during that recovery no one else no one else could take care of you like your mom like it was like she was taking care of her baby all over again no judgment like, yeah exactly no judgment mm -hmm. like the first time because uh, they insist on you passing gas um in order to prevent uh what's the word i'm looking for uh, like a reflux so before you go to bed after the surgery they insist you must pass gas before you go to bed. So I remember my mom saying, I need you to fart. Even the first urination after surgery, it was a mess. And I ended up urinating on my mom and she's like, it's okay. Like, you know, who else would do that? Who mm. else would do no judgment. It's like she needs she needs this. My daughter needs to heal. This is the process. I am there for her. Clean her up after. The nurses, they had basically nothing to do in the hospital. And they loved my mom. Because as soon as she came in the morning, she was like, give me everything. I'm going to bathe her. I'm going to clean her. But I'm going to change her sheets. Like my mom wanted to do that. She's like, this is my girl. So I was happy. Like, I I want to be vulnerable. Any food I wanted. Like, what do you want to eat? Okay, I'll blend this so it's not hard. Who would think like that? You mm. know, only mom would think like that. So I was happy. Shout out to mom. Shout out to mama. Mama Trinkum. Mm. What did you learn about that experience? Hmm. What did I learn about the experience? 
that moms are the best. Uh, mm. <laughs> that we know that already. Yes. Oh yes. Ooh. I learned that it's hard for me to completely relax. I was supposed to completely relax for six weeks and I didn't. I started working on my blog. <laughs> mm. But for me, that was soft because it was just on a laptop. I was just sitting on a laptop. But that sense, I felt I needed to do something. It wasn't enough for me to just lie down. The first two weeks, I didn't do anything. But then after week two, I was like, hmm. I'm feeling better. I can sit up. Maybe I can work. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the dad. That's dad in you. The drive. That's, yes, that's great. Mm -hmm. So, is that blog? Is the Ankara Queen? Yes, that's the blog. Let's talk about that. What is it all about? What's your goal? So it's a fashion inspiration blog. So I, I share. For, with women how to style almost anything in your closet for almost any occasion hmm. so if you go through my blog you'll see from what to wear to meet his parents to what to wear skydiving so I give people ideas outfit ideas on what to wear for any occasion in their lives but yeah that's really what the blog is about and the yeah. goal oh well the goal is Definitely to the blog is my retirement plan. Yes, because I want to retire early in life. <laughs> yeah, that is the goal is for that to be my main source of income. Mm. You're such a prolific blogger, by the way. Like you come up with ideas like almost every day. I try. How? Oh, it's work. It's a it's a lot of work. And I haven't reached that level yet where I have uh, an assistant, but I do automate some of my stuff. So if I have time over the weekend, I will schedule um, a number of posts because I post everywhere. So that's really hard. And I try not to post the same thing on the same page on the same day. So if I'm posting a red dress on IG, I'll try to post the brown one on TikTok, the same time post a white one on YouTube, just so that it's not the... So you have a reason to check out my other platforms because if you know she's going to post it on the same thing, I can just go on one. No, no, no. <laughs> you have to go to the other ones to see what I've posted on the other one. So that's why I say it's a lot because my my um process of content creation does a lot of planning. Some people are spontaneous, but the thing is I live alone and I don't have someone who can take my pictures for me every day. So I have to plan way in advance to create my content in bulk and then sporadically release it to make sure that I'm keeping up with the post. But I, I can't afford to wait to post what I'm wearing that day. Unfortunately, I don't have a celebrity photographer yet, but I have to post. I choose one day out of the month where I post, I create enough content to last me an, an entire month. That's mm. what I do. It's but all beautiful. the content is stuff that I created last month. I I shot last month. And then I what I do is I edit it whenever I have time. If I'm watching a movie, it's just background noise. I'll be editing content and scheduling it for the week. And then I can relax. <laughs> mm. Why do you still decide to write blog even though you know how it is now? Everyone wants to be quick fix, quick views, quick everything. Blogging is where the money is at. Let me tell you, these social media pages are fleeting. And as we all know, one day your account can get wiped. You can get, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hacked. And all your work is gone. Whereas if you have a blog, you, if you own the website, it's yours. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, they're cute, but they're trendy. Blogging is, uh, is more solid. So, for example, with blogging, you can have ads. So it means you get, um, what's the word, revenue that you don't have to actively work. Passive, thank you. <laughs> you get passive income. Just because 
a certain number of people are visiting your website every day. That's one. Number two, affiliate links. On your blog, you can actually post as many links as you want. Instagram, for example, Instagram stories, you can only post one link per story. Mm. Whereas on your blog, if you want to post 50 links for people to click on, you can post as many as you want. Another thing with blog is you can have subscribers with blogs. So if, for example, lo and behold, your Instagram and TikTok get deleted, all you have to do is send out one email blast. Hey, guys, this is my new page. Boom. And then your followers can easily find you. If your Instagram gets deleted, you can't DM people. Your page is gone. Whereas with a blog, you can just send an email out like, hey, this is where I am. Find me here. And Google is still the number one search engine in the world. Not Instagram, not TikTok. People are still going on Google. So don't be fooled by people getting a million views for a dress they wore. That's cute. But after a week, no one's checking out that post again. Whereas with Google, if your post is on the first page of Google, unless some crazy thing happens, you're going to be there for a long time. And how many millions of searches does Google get per day? If people looking for that. That's what I've discovered. And it's only last year that I found this out because I have a friend who has been a full-time blogger for about five years now. So she was a pharmacist, quit her job and does blogging because she was making more from her blog than her job as a pharmacist where she was earning $50,000. She quit because her blog was bringing in way more than that. And now she's been able to hire people. So now she barely even blogs. She doesn't even do the work. She has a team. So that's a goal. That's gold. And she taught me this. So she taught me Google is still king. All these other social media, they're cute. They're nice. It's nice to have a presence there because people like flashy. So I try to keep, to stay consistent on there because a lot of brands still like you to have a social media page if they want to work with you. But at the end of the day, my bread and butter comes frequency from my blog. Mm -hmm. Well said. You know what I like about you too is you cons you always pivot. You have this blog, this blog. You cancel that, the cancel that, and then you start a new one. Mm. I love I love that resilience about you. Where Thank you. where did you get your resilience from? I don't know. If there's a particular. I think it's just a a, a sum of all my experiences. Hmm. A sum of the environment I grew up in, my background just yeah dealing with all of that stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> up from the bullying to the self-hate to everything and and but getting the love from my family and good friends i think that's honestly all i can mm -hmm. say i love that by the way the ankara queen what's the title about what's that mean so ankara refers to um, do you know these bright and colorful prints that a lot of Africans uh, can be seen wearing? That's what is called Ankara. Mm. So I'm the queen of that, because especially when I was blogging years ago, I would wear that often. I don't wear it as often, but people knew me. Like if you went on Google and you typed in Ankara styles, my pictures would come up, number mm. one. So that's what that name came about because people knew, like, if you're looking for trendy African pieces, check out my page. And I used to work with a lot of African designers. So they would send me these pieces for me to wear because they knew that they would get um, a lot of customers. So that's how I became the Akara Queen. I love it. I want to ask you, a lot of women, they claim to dress for themselves. Do you agree, do you agree with that, or is it really they're hoping to get attention? Partially, I do. I won't. I won't lie. Some of the outfits that I choose is specifically for clout, is for engagement, and most of them are just are for me. But some of them, I do post in order to get more engagement on the page. Again, CC. But so, any buzz is better than no buzz. 
So if you you wear a certain outfit, flamboyant, more outgoing, you will be seen more. And at the end of the day, it I am someone who likes to be seen more. <laughs> so it 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 is so a lot of times it is a reflection of my personality, but sometimes I'll go more out there just because I want the buzz. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I found out that you used to have a, and you said it, you alluded to it, that you had an uh, unhealthy shopping habit. Mm-hmm. Where did that stem from and how did you cure it? Oh, it's not completely cured. Let's, let's just make that clear. <laughs> okay. I will buy more than I need. <laughs> a lot of times, most times. But at least now, I'm making some more money. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, that that definitely comes from the the fat Brenda who you know wanted to be seen and who thought that buying nice stuff would make her feel better. <laughs> yeah, I had I had expensive tastes even when I wasn't making any money. When Daddy was paying, I had expensive tastes. I was buying baby fat. You know how much baby fat costs? What is a fifteen year old doing? Buying baby fat when she doesn't work. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so I've always had expensive taste. But that was, yeah, it was trying to make up for not feeling pretty. So it's like, oh, if I'm not pretty. I might as well wear nice stuff, you know, to get people interested in me, to get people talking to me. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like, yes, I need to dress. I need to dress a certain way. Urban ghetto at the time. It was ghetto fab. You remember the bling all mm-hmm. over? Well, that was me. <laughs> apple bottoms. Rockaway, apple bottoms, Darion. I had all of them. Sean John. That was me. I was on their websites all the time. Dr. <laughs> J. I was buying all that stuff. Ask me if I had a job. I didn't have a job. So, yeah. <laughs> Spoiled brat. That's what you are. Oh, and I feel bad. And I know my dad tried. He used to try so much to educate me about finances. And it would just go out through the other ear. While he was talking to me, I'd be thinking about a dress I should have gotten. That's how bad it was. Like, he bailed me out so many times, my credit cards. And then he's like, nope, this is the last time. And I thought he would come back. And I maxed out the card. And I'm like, daddy. (laughs) And he never he never did oh no I was left with the credit card but yeah that's what it started oh boy but I read that your brother counseled you and that helped you a lot oh yeah don't worry about it I find ways my brother is so 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 good with money I that's one quality I admire so much about him because he has money, but he lives as though he's broke. And I'm That's so why he has money. Exactly. But I have standards to live up to. He doesn't care about standards. He doesn't have a fashion blog. He can wear the same raggedy shoes. I can't do that. You know? I have. Imagine if I were. Would I have the following I had if I was wearing the same thing all the time? No. I have to think spicy. So, it, it, yes. I won't lie. I have I have to work on that, I know. But my brother, he was really good. So he helped me actually. He helped me get rid of all my debt during the pandemic. Hmm. I mean, it didn't start in the pandemic before, but like, at least like by the time the pandemic was over, he had helped me clear my debt. So I, you know, that, <laughs> that was really nice. But he's so good. He's he's so good with money. He's, yeah, that's again, as I said, my discipline ends with food. <laughs> he has no discipline with food, but he has so much discipline with money. Mm. Can you share some of the tips that he gave you to get out of the debt? Mm. So the first one is he told me to pay off the smallest debt first. And, you know, I remember, I think I had one card, I had like 500. And that was something that I, I wasn't making that much at the time. But within, you know, three paychecks, it was like, oh, you know, that's one gone. And it's like, it wasn't the end of the world. I didn't feel as though I was dying. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
oh, that's one card gone. Okay, that's nice. And also realizing that it was easier to save if I did it in smaller portions. Because in my head, I'm like, oh, I need at least $500 to save. So, I, you know, it was always about getting to 500 and then I opened a savings account. My parents like, no, no, dude. Like, you know, <laughs> even if it's $50 per paycheck, you don't feel it. But at the end of the year, when you check your account, that first year, for the first time in my life, I had $3,000 saved. <laughs> savings is good and everything, but you still have that self-discipline to make sure that you don't touch the money. Yes. Yes. So I don't touch that money. I won't lie. The first year I touched it, I'm like, oh, it's there for me to touch. And that's why it wasn't as much. But then after that, you're like, okay, but I need to calm down. It's for saving. It's not for, oh, I have it. It's like, no. So I was told to pretend as if it doesn't exist, which was so mm. hard. Because I'm like, it's there. What do you mean it doesn't exist? <laughs> it's there. <laughs> Isn't it my money? <laughs> you're so but funny. Now, no, I'm so happy. I haven't touched it. I'm so proud. I know it's not. And a part of me knows that at this my age, I should have more money saved. But I'm also proud of myself that at least I got it started later than most people. But I got it started and it's there. And I know also that with how things are going with the blog, I will be able to catch up. Like, that's my goal. It's like, okay, I know that with this other source of income, that is going to happen. Yeah, with the blog. That's why I say this is my retirement plan. Mm. Yeah. I saw that you sell your used outfits. Where did the idea come from? People asking for them. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. People would always ask me. People ask me, oh, if you ever sell your clothes, if you ever sell like, okay, I might as well sell because I've worn it three times on the blog or sorry on instagram you can only post it so often but i don't sell everything there's some pieces that i've had probably since high school mm. i don't sell everything but i do sell a lot and i try to do it every spring i do a spring cleaning mm. and i sell a lot of pieces from my closet and people buy and like hey extra income <laughs> yeah of course you also have a amazon storefront do you make money on that do and it's only recently that I said this. I say, watch out for me, Aaron. I might be on Forbes soon, so you better save this. Hey, don't forget about me. No, you better act like you know me. Be nice to me. Okay? Nice. Yes, keep being nice to me because <laughs> very soon you're gonna be passing through channels. Get <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm by Amazon storefront. I just started taking it seriously. So mm. I, I now I have two, US and Canada. I used to have just one. And it didn't make me any money for months. And then I realized what I was doing wrong. I realized. But um, the person who is helping me, the, the blogger who was a pharmacist, who is now a full-time blogger, she coached me and she was telling me what I was doing wrong. And then... I started taking it seriously last month. I started last month. I started making money from it. So I'm like, yeah, that is worth of income. <laughs> How does it work? Like, do you just choose the items and then you list it on Amazon? How do you get paid? Can you explain? So you can either decide. So if I'm buying something from Amazon, of course, I'll take a picture, video with it and post on social media with the so you get an affiliate link when you have an Amazon storefront. So every time anyone shops using that affiliate link, you get a commission. So you can either post what you're wearing or you can do inspirational posts. So you can be like, oh my gosh, I have this chair in my cart. And then you post the link to it. Someone might be looking for that chair and then you make a commission. Or you can even take, like if I go to my sister's place and she has an Amazon product, I don't necessarily own it, but it's at her place. I'll take a nice picture. Be like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. I don't necessarily own it, but people will see it and it is cute. And then if they buy it, I get a commission as well. So it's all about commissions with Amazon. Mm. How do you apply for the storefront? You do. So you go on Amazon website. Uh, it's somewhere on their website, mm -hmm. but you apply for it and you have to include your social media handles your if you have a website and then they check 
and then they mm. see you're a good fit, then you're on board. I didn't think, I did not realize that they were selective until my sister told me one of her friends applied and didn't get in. Like, oh. So I didn't think it was a big deal. I'm like, eh, anyone can do it. But I didn't realize, no, not anyone can do it. <laughs> They're selective about who they choose. Mm, okay, that makes so much sense. Because I do see some like social media content creator that they have storefronts that, that I've seen like carpenters. Like, oh, I use yeah. this hammer. Yes. <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. I think we're there. But before we close out, I know you don't like giving advice. No. So how about you can give us an opinion for women that want to elevate their fashion sense? What opinion can you give them? Hmm. Get stuff that fits you to the T. If you want your outfit to look expensive, get it tailored. Trust me. I get so many of my items tailored and that's why they look like they were made for me invest in a good either seamstress, tailor, alteration, whatever it is, if you want to elevate yourself, get stuff that fits you, especially if it's a unique piece. Ugh, it makes such a difference. It's insane. If you pay a little extra to get, you know, the waist taken in or something taken out and then it just fits your body. It makes, first of all, it makes you look like you've lost weight. But <laughs> then it also makes you better because mm -hmm. it fits yeah that's the best way to elevate to get things that really fit your body type mm -hmm. well said well said before we close out brenda if you want to say your website again or your instagram account go ahead so i am everywhere as d ankara queen that's t-h-e ankara queen I have a blog. Please subscribe to my blog so you can put food on the table of my future children. Please follow me, Instagram, TikTok. I'm really trying to build my YouTube. Follow me on YouTube. Actually, forget about Instagram. Follow me on YouTube. That's where I need to focus. That's where the money is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Brenda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been so much fun. Thank you, Aaron. Have a good evening. Thank you again, Brenda, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Erin Del Yosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.